Welcome, folks, to another edition of the DC3Cast. This is the second part of our June 2015 production. We are going to be chatting with Scott Snyder, writer of Batman, American Vampire, Witches. But really, we're just talking about Batman. This is the DC3Cast, after all. we got to talk Batman. So, as I mentioned on yesterday's show, this was supposed to be a 15-minute interview. It turned into a nearly 90-minute interview. Scott does some incredible incredible sharing with us about motivations for writing Batman, about issues he's had writing Batman. It's really incredible stuff. Uh, Two caveats. The call got dropped a few times, and so there are some weird transitions. I tried to clean them up as best as I could, but forgive those. And the sound quality also cuts in and out. This was recorded well after midnight, uh, and there was a storm over where I was doing the recording, so... My apologies for the sound quality. The only ones that are really affected by it, sadly, are Vince and Zach. But as you'll hear, Vince, Zach, and I together probably only speak one-tenth or one-twentieth the time Scott speaks. And Scott's voice stays strong throughout the whole thing. So we really hope you guys enjoy this. We will be here every month with at least one podcast and hopefully an interview with a DC talent each month. And we started off, let me tell you, pretty damn strong so enjoy this chat with scott snyder and i'll be back at the end of the episode dc just sent us over batman 41 tonight and so we've all had a chance to read this and it's uh it's quite the departure for the character and i know you had said in interviews a while back that you had always planned endgame as your you know pardon the pun endgame on batman Uh, when did this story pop into your head and when did this seem like something that you felt was worthy of of following up that huge epic endgame story. Uh well well first of all I hope you guys liked it. <laughs> I, 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 we we all did. We all did like it quite a bit. Yeah. Definitely up to par. Everything's we're firing on all cylinders. Everything feels good. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Good man. I'm really that I'm really uh really glad. We're we've been very excited about it for a while. I mean what happened was um it was fall, so it was almost a year ago I guess. Uh, or not really not almost a year ago, but yeah, it was the beginning of the fall. And, uh, and I started realizing that, um, Greg really wanted to stay on the book through 50 and I did, I mean, I did too. I always wanted, I I have another, you know, whole like crop of stories I'd love to do, um, after this, but you know, we've always been the same way about, about how things work, um, with a book like Batman where there's a, a, you know, every writer I know would love to take a crack at Batman and many of them have fantastic stories and stories that matter to them tremendously. And so my feeling has always been, uh, unless I had a story that I was excited, as excited about as, you know, Endgame and Court of Owls or Death of the Family or Zero Year, um, then it was, it, I, I would get off the book and let someone else do it. Um, you know, I'm not trying stay on it to stay on it um and secondarily i think uh you know the fans we always been tried to be very sensitive to what the fans felt you know about the book too and if they really seemed tired of us or they were ready for us to go then we would be happy to you know go try something else and say thanks a lot for the best ride of our lives you know already i mean i never thought i'd get to do as much as we've already done so the idea kind of came to me i was realizing that if we were going to stay I wanted to do something that would give us a new lease on the book. And the, the kind of the irony of it was like, if my first thinking was we finish, um, the status was going to be slightly different. Obviously I wasn't going to leave, leave 
I wouldn't leave you hanging with everybody dead. I wouldn't be like, ta-da, and then leave. The book. <laughs> um, so there were, there, there, the ending wasn't quite the same to Endgame um, and the original, the original sort of plan from a couple, you know, back when I was, I started planning it really back when we were doing Death of the Family. Um, the beginnings of it came to me and I realized we were going to build towards it. And, um, but it, it was basically the exact same story in many ways. It's just sort of, it had a, it had a, a different take on the same ending. So it ended, it meant the same thing. It ended sort of in a lot of this, basically the same way, but there was a slight difference. And, and, um, what I realized was if I took away first, not to be too long winded, but I guess what the, the irony is like, <laughs> At first, not to talk totally out of school, DC, obviously, things are going well enough that they did not want us to leave. Um, so they wanted us to stay. And they really pushed me and pushed me because Endgame, you know, did well for us to top it. And the thing is, like, the ideas that, that um, some of the people pushed and, you know, they they wanted, not writers, but editorial, um, were really nutty. I mean, if you think Gordon in the suit is nutty, this is like... You know, Lincoln March in the suit, and why don't I, you know, put Joker in the suit, and all kinds of great stuff. And I was sort of like really resistant to all of this. And there was a big push to kill Joker, um, much more graphically um, on panel, and all this kind of stuff. And you know, I was just sort of like, no, no, no. And it built up where me and Greg were like, you know, what we want to do that we've never tried <laughs> to go small. I was like, let's just do small mysteries for a little while. And the funny thing is, like, DC, I have threatened to do that uh, for since I did Black Mirror. You know, I always have said to them, and I mean it, I have a few really, like, small mysteries I really want to do. But every time we're on an arc, I always say, hey, after this one, we're going to do some small mysteries. And I've made the mistake of saying it in interviews multiple times, too. Um <laughs> So there are plenty of interviews with me, especially when we were doing Zero Year. I remember being like, after this, we're going to do small stories. Because my plan was to do small stories and then do Endgame after the move um, for, for DC. Because I didn't think we'd be able to fit it in before DC moves. And I didn't want it broken up by two months. Um, but so there's all this, you know, <laughs> there's all these interviews where I'm like, I think I'll do cold cases, Batman cold cases. And then during um, Endgame, I said it again. I was like, you know, I, there's, there's definitely interviews with me video and everything where I'm like, after this, we're going to go pretty small because really I was resisting a lot of the push from DC to go bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, I felt like we just break, we, we, we'd break our trust with the fans because I felt as though we had tried really hard at this point to, you know, just even do, we like bombastic stories. I love, I love sort of over the top, you know, almost cartoonish, sometimes animated type series type stories, but, They've always been very, you know, not to sound hokey, but they've always been pretty personal to me, and I can tell you, you know, what each one means to me and Greg, you know, where Court of Owls, you know, I won't go through them all, but, you know, my Court of Owls is largely about the idea that it's like growing up in the city, and I grew up in New York, and, and always wondering about Batman being real, and the idea that you grow up in your neighborhood that you know and you love, uh, you can know it better than anybody else, the way that Batman knows Gotham, but you only know it for a little while and you don't know what it was like 10 years ago and you don't know what it's going to be like in 10 years. And that's one of the wonderful things about living in the city and scary things is the history of it. And so if I could express that somehow in the story and walk and, and, and humble Batman by having him realize that 
the wonderful thing about a city like Gotham or a place is that it's always a mystery somehow, and there's some mysteries you can't solve, you know, and you have to be okay with that. That's something that, you know, for me, I don't know, this thing's caused me a lot of anxiety in life. So the point is, you know, I knew that coming out of Endgame, I wanted to do small things because I felt like that was where my heart was. If I, Because it wasn't where they wanted it to be, meaning it wasn't, it wasn't in let's do um, something. They definitely wanted Bruce off the table because he was going to be out. Once I knew I was staying, I knew that the original, the, the real core of Endgame required this kind of change in some ways. But I didn't have somebody else I wanted to put in the suit, so I felt, you know, I'm just going to move out of continuity or do small stories, that kind of thing. And then it just hit me, honestly. I was driving into the city um, for a family thing, and it was a Saturday, and it, it really just hit me. I was sort of, and I was grumbling, and I was very angry at them still because they had called me, in, and it's just like the most long-winded answer in the history of your casting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really sorry. I'm no, this is great stuff, place. man. Okay, all right, because I will, <laughs> I can do like lightning round <laughs> if you want. <laughs> but um, I was like driving into the city with my family, and I was like grumbling to myself because the week before, they had totally okay. I had been, they had been fine. I'm just talking to a lot of people with you, but they, they had completely been fine with me doing these small stories. And Greg was up for it. It was going to be, you know, it's just going to be like that and pared down, you know, different, different. Like it was going to be like the cases. It was going to give him this kind of the cases that he did when he was really, really just getting not in the past, but it was, it was cases where he was, it was sort of stripped down detective cases. I, I, I don't want to give too much away about it. Cause I'll, I still hope to do this <laughs> like someday when I'm an old man, when I, I've put it off until I, you know, but the thing is internally it's become this joke where I've always been like, leave me alone. I'm doing these small stories essentially. And um, they had finally okayed it. And then they called me in a week before and they had said, one, they made one last push. They, I was, you know, Dan and them, I, and I love Dan. So this is not me bitching about Dan's idea. Dan's, for Dan is, Dan is, a, you know, a lot of people I understand have, you know, a lot of, a lot of emotions about Dan. Um, but I will say that Dan, as, as, as wonderfully crazy as he can be in, in, and I mean that in the nicest way, he also, um, when he's when he is supportive of you, he's very supportive of you, and he's one of those guys that, for some reason, defended me from the moment I started at DC. And he's, we certainly had our fights. I mean, we've had some real knockdown, dragout fights, the two of us at times, you know, screaming, yelling fights. But he's, I don't know, he's been he's been one of those guys that helped me get through a lot of the things I wanted to get through in stories when some of the other people, I think, um, in a trail had problems with certain things, the court of owls and the ending and different things like that. So the point is, um, I was angry cause I was like, you know, he wanted, you know, he, 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 you know, he, they called me in under the pretense of something else really about talking about Batman. And then it became clear to me that they actually were really wanted me to change the end of end game and make it so that there was a humongous turn of events. And it was going to be, like I said, like, you know, jokers in the suit or what about, you know, the whole city is, you know, destroyed or all kinds of crazy ideas. Like, But they wanted, like, to land in June with something big. And I was just, like, completely upset about this and, like, very adamant about, like, absolutely not. No way. No way. And I was, so I was, like, grumbling about this on the way into the city. And I was like, they want big, you know, and they want whatever. But I was like, and I can't really say the way I came up with it because it kind of gives away some spoilers of what's coming in the story. But basically, it suddenly occurred to me that, like, 
the way it ended, there would need to be a Batman in the city, and there would need to be, um, it would be Dick or it would be Tim, or, and that was just so boring to me. It was just so boring. I, I mean, I loved writing Dick in the costume, and I loved the idea of Dick Grayson as Batman. I just do not want to repeat anything that's been done. That's just so, it's not my, it's just not my thing. And, um, you know, but I was like, but wait a minute, what if, what if, what if the city came to you and said, it's your time to be Batman? You know what I mean? Like, it's your, and you realize suddenly that, like, maybe they're right. Like, maybe I am the only one that can take that mantle right now. Jesus Christ. Like, I'm <laughs> going to suck at this. I'm going to be awful, but I have to do it. And why would you do it? What would you want? And it just started to form where I was like, well, this makes sense because this happened to Bruce and Bruce is over here and Gord Jim is over here. And, you know, this happened to uh, Alfred and Alfred's over here. All the pieces started to form. And I was like, I understand how this story could be personal to me because it's not just about if you get to be Batman, it's about a man who deeply believes um, in a system sort of put in place by people to help them in a city. So that means the police, obviously, in a big way, but it also means local government and it means culpable um, private sector um, figures. You know, it means they, Jim believes in a system of checks and balances and in a sort of, in, in, a, uh, in a, a public uh, system with a face, you know, even when you're talking about private business. And so what if Batman could be an extension of those things? And then I started thinking, well, the city was just wrecked in Endgame. And not only is it wrecked in Endgame, but it's had a terrible relationship with, with its, with its, you know, um, with its police, obviously. Before Jim Gordon, it, it's just canon that the police were horrible. Um, you know, and with its public figures, I mean, Mayor Hattie and all this stuff, like, come on. And, you know, business, you know, so if suddenly Gordon sees this as an opportunity to say the city is hurting right now, it is broken. And certain neighborhoods like the Narrows, the Narrows is one of the poorest neighborhoods in Gotham, but by far the most diverse. It's about 10, 12 communities, really more, but those are the main communities and, you know, uh, high uh, very um, dense, a lot of different immigrant populations, very, very um, yeah, diverse. Um, this neighborhood got hit the worst playing game. It wasn't protected the way it should be. A lot of the, the action happened there. It's just really wrecked. And Gordon is somebody who would want to show people that the system can work for them again. This sort of, the, the, the things that they created to protect themselves or that they depend on to protect themselves in a city and to make it a safe place and a place where they can thrive, that those things those things can work. And if Batman can be a symbol of that, if he's Batman in that way, even if he, they don't know who he is, but what Batman stands for can be those things, maybe they can start believing in Gotham again. And that, that to me, I suddenly realized, I was like, that that speaks to me. You know, I've, I've lived in, <laughs> in cities at low points, you know, in New York in the 80s when I was a kid or after 9-11, you know, I was in, lived in the city then too. And moments when you just feel, you know, crushed by things that happen in the city or by the general state of the city or times when you feel suddenly incredibly communal, you know, and most, that's what I feel like is this arc is deeply about. And, and it's also, I personally, I find it, very, um, you know, 
poignant for me because I get to deal with a lot of things that I think you'll see by the time you get to issue 44, which is a fill-in issue, honestly. With, um, I don't know if I'm even allowed to say that, but... Um, <laughs> So DC exclusive. Right that you could just say it's a fill-in issue, and you can just bleep me out when I yeah. said who's by. But um, a Trojan horse in some of the stuff that I think is important about the arc, where it's really like, like for me, um, Mr. Bloom, right, the villain in it. Um, he is this kind of character that grows up in the cracks, like a weed almost. That's kind of the thing he's metaphorically sort of line with this idea that he grows when there's fractures in the city between neighborhoods, between the police and uh, communities, uh, between the rich and the poor. He's the thing that kind of grows and says, it'll never work, you know, so come to me. Um, and he's very scary in that regard. He's very, very powerful and very scary. Um, so, you know, it became something where I was like, I can tell a story that I feel is contemporary and, you know, it's not preachy. It's not. It's not something I think. I've always tried to mask the stuff that I'm talking about in cartoon comic book language, pretty much. Although this issue 44 is sort of the big left hook, where I think you see it come. You don't see it coming, and it's like, oh wow, it's you're. You know, it's, it's grittier. It's very real world. It's much more in the spirit of some of the stuff that Denny did and all that kind of stuff. You know, where it's more. This is this is actually about something in the city. You know and in the city now. Um, and then it kind of gets back to its cartoon violence. It's actually, it's a, it's a mystery that takes place in the past and it features Bruce. Um, but it, it's basically the origin of Mr. Bloom. So, uh, and then it comes back to the present, you know, in 45, except where we left off. So it's crazy. It's like robots and, <laughs> and energy monsters and, you know, <laughs> And uh, flying upside down bat blimps and bat trucks and all kinds of crazy stuff you'll see in this arc where it's just out of control, you know, batarang guns and all kinds of nuttiness um, and very big surprises, you know, each issue. Um, but it's also one that has a pretty big heart, honestly, for me. I wouldn't do it otherwise, you know. I know it sounds stupid or hokey or sappy or sentimental, but... At this point, I think I'd like to, I will close out this, like, incredible, incredibly corn maze-ish answer to what you asked, which I don't even remember really what you asked anymore. <laughs> the point is, um, the, uh, the, I don't know, man, it, it would be pretty easy, honestly, at this point, to, to spin our wheels on the book a little bit and relax, you know, in the way that Greg and I, we've tried really hard, you know, in FCO, obviously, and Danny, too, and... Jonathan before him to to do stories that were that were bigger and and it mattered to us. I hope that it's clear each one of those was personal, you know, in a, in a big way because they were, you know, about Batman. What Batman means to me, or at difficult points, you know, with depression and anxiety and zero year, or in you know, and in, in uh, death of the family about fear of you know being a father and having kids. All those kinds of things are in there, but the the it would be nice to relax and just be able to be like, let's do a one shot Poison Ivy story or let's do a <laughs> two issue two face story. Cause you know, he loves to or whatever and just do <laughs> that kind of stuff. And I would like to do those. That's not what I mean when I say I'd like to do small stuff either, but you know, both of us, I think, or all of us feel like, is it worth it to, to put the capital with fans back on the table again, you know, and try something, 
bigger again when you could relax at this point a little bit and sort of, you know, just not, not play it as risky, you know, and Greg has really been a wonderful compass for that where he's just like, you know, I agree with him a hundred percent, but we have the same mentality about it, but he's always just like the character deserves it. The fans deserve it. They don't want you to go on there and do something safe. They want you to go on there and try something transgressive if you believe in it, you know, and, Go for it. So that's kind of the the origin story of this story in the most. I know I, I'm. This is why I'm so wordy on the page, right? This is why I'm so many <laughs> balloons and captions. You should see. I, I'm so. I feel like I'm so so tight lipped on the page, but now you can see. If only I had my way. If only I was a publisher. It'd just be like pros and pros and pros in there. But anyway. yeah, no, that's great. That's 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 the kind of answer we were looking for, I think. Absolutely. Um, um, it's interesting that you, I'm glad you said that, that you were looking to do something small uh, after Endgame because um, it occurred to me while I was reading 41 that, um, that it, it did feel smaller, you know, uh, in this new direction that, because your, your last several arcs were basically, um, I like that you pointed out all the different themes that they were about, but on the surface level, they were all very much about breaking Batman or breaking Gotham. You know, I mean, you put him through the ringer over the last several years and, um, uh, reading 41, I thought, where are they going to go with this? Because they don't have Bruce Wayne to break anymore. And in a lot of ways, Gotham's already been broken. And then I read the issue and it occurred to me, okay, this feels a little smaller, a little more procedural in a good way. You know, like let's, let's look at a day in Gordon's life. If he's asked to take up the mantle of Batman and here's one small quote unquote case that he needs to take on. Um, so it's interesting that, that, that you put it that way, but then uh, something you just said made me think, well, it is about, something bigger because since Gotham's been broken down, now it's going to be about Gotham's rise. And I'm sure that what you have planned for that is something that's not going to be an easy road. And, um, I, I, I guess, uh, what I wanted to ask next was, um, your, your previous arcs were about uh, taking this city that we've spent, you know, decades with, and you're finding, new uh new themes to explore in the city new areas that we haven't seen before um but bruce wayne was bruce wayne and the batman that we very much um already knew uh now you've taken that away what are you going to tell us about i mean i know you can't spoil this for us but what are you looking to explore about batman itself and and why maybe Bruce Wayne, even though he's gone, is kind of synonymous with the Batman cowl. Well, I think I think honestly, a lot of these stories become love letters to the people that aren't in the costume at that point. You know, like as much as I love Otto as Spider-Man, that whole arc is largely about like Peter needs to be Spider-Man again. Um, you know, Superior Spider-Man. I mean, and then. You know, similarly, I think, you know, when Bucky is Captain America, you love Bucky. I love Bucky as Cap. But again, the story starts to bend towards why Steve needs to come back. And I think, you know, obviously, um, 
I would never do a story like this ever. And neither is Dan. Like, I'm good friends with Dan uh, Slot, for example, and you know Ed Baker, but um, Dan. They were both extremely kind to me as I was coming up. Um, but Dan, when I told him I was doing this, and I told him pretty early, he was just like, "They're going to hate you when you tell Bruce." <laughs> you know. But what you got to do is you look him in the face and say, "He's never coming back." He's dead and i was like really and he's like yeah he's like i had a kid come up to me and be like is spidey really dead and i was like yes dead as a doornail you know and i was like he's like that's what you need to do and i don't have that in me i really don't <laughs> i love that he does but the fact is like the secret is like he would never do superior spider-man unless he knew how peter was coming back i mean that's just i'm sorry to like you know show the rabbit in the hat in some way and be like you know <laughs> Bruce, is he ever coming back? Of course he's coming back. Do you know what I mean? And of course mm. we know how that would happen. Sorry to spoil, you know, whatever. <laughs> but I mean, um, yeah, of course. I mean, you know, so for us, like the way I think about it is um, in many ways it is a story about why Bruce sneaks into Batman. I mean, it is what about, it's about what I said it was earlier. I mean, it's about, do you think if Batman represented the things that we put in place to protect us, he could be a better Batman or a Batman that works. And I try to think about that a lot. And I do think there are ways that he could work. <laughs> you know, I do think that. And I think it's a noble idea. Nobody's like the mustache twirling villain in this except Mr. Bloom, you know, the Powers family. There's no kind of, it's not Robocop. It's not like the evil corporation. That's not what it's about at all. It's it's largely about people trying desperately to put something into place that will show people that they should have faith in the system that's in place in their city to sort of both protect them and um, rebuild it. Uh, and Batman, they think Batman can be that. And, um, you know, uh, but why then if that doesn't work or somebody attacks it saying it doesn't work, why would why would Bruce work? I mean, why does Batman work in that situation? You know, why would Bruce Wayne work better in a broken city than a Jim Gordon? Do you know what I mean? Because honestly, like, I'm asking you, like, what what's so special about Bruce Wayne in that regard? And I don't mean, like, what, what's so special about Batman? Of course, Batman. But why Bruce Wayne as a person do a better job as a outlaw Batman to a city that's been brought to its knees by these disasters? and has basically no faith in its own government and its police force and any of that. What does Batman mean to that? You know? Yeah, that's, that's fascinating. What, what Batman, I can't wait to find out. Yeah. I mean, what does Batman mean to you grow up in a, you know, a, a, a terrible neighborhood, you know, your parents are first generation. You feel scared by the people in power in the city. You don't have a good track record with them. They don't have a good track record with you. Who cares? I mean, what does Batman mean to you? You know what I mean? Like, does he mean something? You know, does, if he does, which I think he does, what is that? What is that? Does, does someone who's does a young African-American kid in Gotham think Batman, like, is just a white rich guy? Or does he see him differently? And I think, you know, we've thought a lot about that stuff, you know, and I feel like I can't speak for people. Obviously, I'm not saying, well, let me tell you how. <laughs> but the characters we've created, I can tell you how they think you know, and the different characters that we have from Duke Thomas to Alfred to everybody, you know? And I think some of my favorite teams are those teams. 
I, I just can't give away how they come in because it does spoil a lot of stuff in the story. But the idea is largely, you know, I think, I think when we ask around and I ask people and you, you try and explore those things sensitively, I feel like you come out with answers that are more surprising than you think that some people really don't, you know, like they just, you would not, you would think that exactly that about Batman, that he, who cares, or you would dislike him. But I think other people too, like one of the things that's interesting is my kid, one of his friends, uh, who's Hispanic, likes, he, he thinks Batman isn't white. Um, he likes to think Batman wears disguises and you don't know who he is underneath. Meaning he could be white, he could be black, he could be anything. He he wears either makeup or a mask. Do you know what I mean? Like uh, with the face, the cowl, right there. Mm-hmm. And so in that way, you could project anybody onto Batman. Do you know what I mean? Batman could be any of us because you don't know who he is. You don't know if he's rich or he's poor or what. You know, if he's subsidized by someone else, if he's, you know. Anyway, I don't know. Not to get too um, too sort of leftist center on this but i just to, just to give you a sense of like some of the stuff that's gone into it i mean i don't know we've we yeah. tried to think really tried to think um you know as much as we could about making a story that you haven't seen before in that regard so mm-hmm. i don't know I, i'm really happy with it you know i'm really happy with it honestly i was just just earlier today <laughs> talking about like the fate of the dinosaur head and all this crazy stuff <laughs> <laughs> This art is so crazy, you know. It is really crazy. And there's a whole component to it that I can't talk about. Because obviously, you know, I don't want to go into spoiler territory, but there's at least one. There's probably two or three. There's, like, really two, almost two and a half components that are, like, major factors in the story that I can't say, but you'll see by, by issue two, by, by 42. So you'll start to see. And then there's there's more stuff. You know, 43 introduces Bloom in a big way. And 44 is this issue, the special issue I told you, where it's like a villain where you learn about you see Bruce in a real gritty gritty mystery. It's fun. It starts with a kid who it starts with a young a young um uh a teenager who's found on the border of Gotham dead from a fall and there's no buildings around or anything. You don't know what happened to him and he has a couple bullet wounds in him too. And it begins this case where Bruce is sort of like someone has to get caught for this and it goes back through stuff and shows how many things can go wrong to cause that kind of thing. You know, I mean, there's people that are guilty, obviously, but I'm saying it goes through how it's not always so black and white, you know, um, with, with, um, with, with, uh, with cases the way we pretend they are in, in comics sometimes, meaning they're still, they're still very guilty people, but, it's not always like the penguin being like, ha ha, I did it. You know, it can be a lot of, a lot of factors to bring, bring these forces and people together in a bad way like this. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't know. I'm excited. It's about it. It's, it's very, it's all very different. You know, I don't know. I mean, I, I'll tell you this, like the one thing that freaks me out all the time all the time is that I'm doing it. I'm doing it on Batman in continuity in the big book, meaning like I would happily do this in detective or in Elseworlds or any of it. It doesn't matter to me that it's in continuity for my purposes in a way that 
I just want to explore the story, you know? But I, I, I also get very freaked out by the idea that it's, you know, it's the main book. Yeah. And it, just because it's, I get how, I get how elastic we're making the mythology, like we're stretching it within an inch of its life here and you can't break it. It's not that, I mean, but I'm just saying it's like, we're stretching it pretty far in a lot of ways. And that, that's something I very proud of and really want to do. But sometimes I stop and I'm like, God, this is Batman. You know what I mean? It's in Batman. <laughs> it's not like, you know, it's not like my own continuity over here with, you know, whatever. I'm just exploring. And someone else is writing the main Batman book where it's Bruce Wayne and it's, you know, Penguin and it's the Joker and it's that, you know. And this is just like my little crazy little book over here where I get to try my ideas. It's a big book. And that that's very intimidating all the time. You know, it still is very intimidating. <laughs> very intimidating. Yeah, just today I was like on the phone freaking out about it <laughs> with James. Tying in where I was like, oh my god, it's like, because it, cause it was, it's so fun. We have such a good time with it too. But then you get, you you think about it, and I'm like, because you like, there's a plan. Like, is Alfred going to get back his hand, for example? Like, is that going to happen, or why would that happen, and what what does it mean, and all that stuff, you know? Because why would you do it otherwise? I wouldn't do it, you know, like, like unless I thought I had a better story for him without it or whatever than I did with it. Um, and that's one thing I would like really. <laughs> I would try and reiterate to people listening to this is um, you told you might completely hate the story. I mean, I hope you don't. I, I really genuinely on my kids heads love this one. Um, and Greg does too. And, you know, we're having more fun on it than pretty much any story we've done. I can tell you that. Um, but I, what I would try and impress upon people that like we would never make these changes unless we had better story on the other side in our own minds and we might be wrong but that's what we believe meaning I would never in a million years be like hmm I'm going to take Bruce off the table and put Jim Gordon in this suit and you know that'll get us sales I mean A yeah, I feel like it's, it's you know I'm concerned like I hope the sales are good with, with Jim and the <laughs> But um, I don't really worry about that stuff quite as much, but it's more just the point I'm trying to make is that neither one of us does anything to do a shock thing. If that was the case, we could have done many more shocking things over the years that we were pushed to do or that, you know, crossed our minds. I could have killed Alfred very easily, could have killed many characters (laughs) or could have changed many things. But, you know, for us, we really have tried... Again, not to sound sappy, but we have tried really hard to follow a compass together about making stories that we felt, you know, we felt meant something to us personally and never have tried anything to shake things up for anybody in a way that, you know, we felt might do better for us in sales or or sensational stuff. And we hope that that's, the basis of our relationship with our fans, honestly, with the book, because they've been so good to us for real. I mean, I have never, never anticipated having the kind of support on this book that we have from that fans ever. I really, I was really ready to leave after Black Mirror. I was like, well, there was my Batman story. Now I'm getting kicked off because, you know, doing James Jr., I just thought everybody would say it made Jim Gordon too dark and all that stuff. And then 
with Court of Owls, I was exactly, I swear to God, I said to Greg, I mean, I remember being like, you know, then we might, this might be our only gig. Like, cause I, I loved it, but then it was like, who locks in for a year long story, you know, when you're brand new, I almost want to go back and like, just shake myself and be like, why the fuck did you do that? You know, like, you're crazy. that was crazy because, you know, same thing with, you like, why would you lock in with a year long story when you're nobody, you know, at that time and people could, you're giving them so many points to jump off if they don't like that story at all. You know what I mean? They're stuck with it for a year. And then you just keep doing it. I'm like, why, why, why do that? You know, and it was not smart. I'll tell you that. Like I look back and I'm like, I would never give any advice to any writer coming in to try that. But I just didn't understand. I mean, I had that time either that that was risky. It didn't, it honestly, I know it sounds crazy, but it didn't really, it didn't really, um, occur to me that that wasn't how you were supposed to do it or you there was a risk in that I mean instead of doing three issue arcs or that kind of thing because it was sort of like I really believed that I was um I really didn't think I was going to last in comics I mean I thought that my career would probably be where it was in prose and that this was something I would try and try to do a story that I could be really really excited about say I made that thing I made that one thing you know and then if I could just get it through, probably that would be, that would be it. Cause <laughs> I didn't think that, um, <clears throat> that many people would, I honestly just didn't, I didn't understand how, I'm sorry. I'm so long winded, but I, I didn't understand. Stop how, apologizing, uh, man. This is great stuff. Well, well, the thing, the thing is like what I'd say is I didn't understand how, uh, what's the right word? Not how generous comic fans are, how, um, hungry they are. That's kind of what it is right now in the last six, seven, eight years for risky stuff. That's the thing that's really been a shock to me on the book and on witches and on everything, honestly. I mean, the book that I feel like people responded to, um, you know, the the most lately for me was Witches, and that was a book that I was positive would have very tiny following. Like, I thought it would be really small. <laughs> I never thought it would be competitive with, like, The Wicked and Wicked Divine or those books because they're so much more inclusive and, and brighter and, you know, have built these whole mythologies, and Witches has a big mythology, but it's not like... It's not an inviting mythology in that way. It's, and it's you know, it's... But the thing that being on Detective even back then taught me in little ways, and now I see it in full. Like, it's come, you know, I, I completely see it for what it is now, whereas it was just sort of, I was like, huh, that's, that's an odd thing. You know what I mean? Like, huh, we made it out of that, <laughs> that arc, and they still seem to want us okay. Well, what a coincidence. Well, next time, I'm sure we'll be done. And I kept, I really did say it to Greg almost every arc. I remember being like, this might be the one. <laughs> like, we're, we're, we're out. And um, what I realized is that fans want you to do something daring on the book as long as they sense I think from you and maybe I'm wrong but I think it's as long as they sense from you then you're doing it sincerely out of love for those characters and out of a belief that you have better story for them with the things that you're doing in the way that you're doing them than you would otherwise and there are always fans that will complain and want safe things I mean I've always had people yelling at me. It never stops. I mean, they were yelling at me when I started Black Mirror for the reason, that reason. They always were like, they hated the James Jr. idea and they thought it was, it ruined year one for them, all this kind of stuff. And then with Corey Bell, 
from the beginning, you know, same thing. Well, Bruce wouldn't, Bruce, how could there be a mystery he didn't know? How could you go back and touch the wings? How could you go back and all that stuff, you know? So there's always that. But um, the vast majority of fans, in my opinion, even the fans that are more, you know, uh, more conservative, they still, if they see it's true to core, they're willing to take an experiment or, you know, do something different. And that's a wonderful thing, meaning that Superior Spider-Man did so well. You know, it's wonderful. To me, that Thor is doing so well. It's magnificent, you know. And Captain America, all this stuff, it's great, you know. I'm just excited because those stories are good. You know, when you read Thor and you're like, I, I actually, I wrote Jason just to, uh, to, could we talk on the phone, just to call him up and be like, I asked him, I'm like, how how much of this do you plan out, dude? Because it's so elegant, like the way you're doing it. It's really beautiful. You know, I love it. And I'm like, how much do you have? And we went through the whole thing, you know, not the whole story, but I mean, how, how he, how he, how he built the arc and all this stuff. And, and I, and, um, I'm just saying like the, when the stories are good or the stories are, are sincere, that they're clearly not just doing it to do something crazy. I don't know. Fans want it, you know? I mean, that's what, to me, that's like when you look back like this, when I was starting on Batman, I remember when I was doing zero year was my lowest point with that, where coming off of death of the family, um, I knew we were going to do Endgame. Uh, I mean, I, I knew we were going to do Endgame at that point. I already had most of the story plotted out, and I knew we were going to install Joker and Arkham in this way with Eric and all this stuff. And um, the so the ending of that, um, I didn't really expect. I didn't expect people to really. I what I didn't pay attention to when it was coming out, which is my bad. And this is again, I'm totally. I'm just going to give up on trying to rein myself in here if you don't mind <laughs> I, I honestly am just sort of off in the weeds sort of walking happily in the weeds so I'm just going to keep giving if you, if you don't mind not at all here. not at all but like what I didn't expect was the um, what caught me off guard for the first time was I wasn't paying attention to the other books that were tying into to Joker I had looked at all of the stuff and I knew all the stories but I wasn't paying attention to the kind of cumulative rolling forward event feel of the story. I was just focused on Batman. I was like, I know where it goes and it goes here and it sets up this and whatever. And I didn't understand that there was this kind of growing expectation that someone was really going to die. And honestly, it's completely my fault just for, <laughs> for not titling it something else. And actually when it was done, I thought about, it, I was like, man, <laughs> maybe in trade I can title it something. I was like, no, there's no way it's no big deal. But the thing, the thing was, um, that got us, or it was like our best reviews at the time, critically, that, that story, um, when we finished it in many, in many places. Um, and we got this sort of outpouring of a really happy fan, but there was this real, um, undercurrent and also very, very vocal, um, anger all of a sudden that we had not killed anybody in that stuff. Um, and then it had ended more quietly. Um, and I just didn't see that coming, you know, and it's the only time ever I feel like I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't prepared for, um, where the criticism came from because with each story, like with this story, I think you can see, like we, I try and, um, I try and look at it and say, you know, what, what would I think of this as a bad fan? I try and take a step back from the thing I love and say the story I love and be like, what are, what are my, if I were just reading it blind, what would be my worries? 
And then I try and consider those in some ways, if it's possible, without compromising anything in the story. So here you'll see Jim, who would worry about the exact same stuff that you would worry about. Like, do I am I terrible in this costume? Worrying about those things. And so it's a way of saying to you, I see what you're afraid of. I'm afraid of it too. <laughs> Let's try this together anyway, you know. Um, but with that, I didn't see it. I sort of, I had been so focused on the book, I didn't understand that there was kind of a, like a bigger, a bigger sort of um, picture to it because there were all these tie-ins and all of the tie-ins were, you know, were, were kind of drum beating this idea that somebody was going to die. And, and that's my, again, my fault. It's nobody's fault, um, but my, but um, coming off of that, I knew we were doing zero year next and then that got announced. And that I was extremely braced for. I was like ready for the vitriol of like, who the hell in the world wants an 11-issue origin story? Nobody wants that. <laughs> like, no one wants it. I get it. No one wants it. But I knew it was the right story. I like really, for me at that time, maybe it was totally a wrong story for the rest of the world. I mean, luckily it doesn't seem that way. It did, it did really well for us. But my feeling is that it, I, you know, we just, Greg and I were like, we're going to do it. But the combination of um, the stuff from Death of the Family, which, you know, uh, kind of caught me off guard. The fan, this a big, a certain big contingent of fans was really mad that they there wasn't going to be bigger repercussions um, from that story, even though I knew we were doing Endgame. Um, and the again, the thing you did expect, like the total anger at that you were doing an origin story, and you know, real anger. I mean, like much more when we, than when we announced Gordon. This was much much very light compared to that um that just threw me completely off for a minute you know and i was like god do we keep doing this like why am i doing this like what you know it was like real anxiety i've always had you know anxiety and depression and i mean you know at times where i struggle with it i've been on medication since i was a kid um but it really got bad where i was just like what the hell am i doing this for you know meaning like why do you why do you try these things that you know like why bother when you're so stressed out and unhappy all the time because it really was I was really unhappy right then you know doing it and Greg Greg is the person that really I mean a lot of people helped me out a lot like Jeff Demir and James Tynan because you know it gets pretty bad when you get bad you know you know what I mean like you can get pretty you can be a pretty really uh, like a really um, difficult friend when you're not well in that regard. I can be, I mean, like I can be very, I just, I, you know, I just repeat the same things over and over again and get focused on these worries that are irrational over and over again. And I call up a million times a day and I'm, you know, I'm just not myself at all. You know, it's not myself. And, um, they were all great, but Greg was the one that was just sort of like really propping me up. He was just like, who gives a fuck? You know, he's like, do you like the story? It's like, I love it. You know, it's about, Zero Year to me was about what I want Batman to mean to my kids, you know? It's about, as a kid, what he meant to me with anxiety and depression at the end, all that kind of stuff. But it also was about what I want him to mean for my kids and the way that the fears in that book are all meant to be things that I worry about for my kids, you know? Like, Random Gunman is the Red Hood Gang, you know? Random Violence, and he, you know, on a Tuesday afternoon or... You know all those kinds, all the kinds of things you see. Um, terrorism is the Riddler, you know, 
and taking over the city, doing these macro macro level things. Uh, resource breakdown, the idea that there's going to be a flood or a superstorm, and there's going to be a complete breakdown of you know of um, the border in the city. All of those kinds of things and the post-apocalyptic elements there in the in the city, just visually, they're meant to speak to the things in my own way, I guess, that I worry about for my kids and hope that a character like Batman somehow makes them feel better about the way Batman made me feel better as a kid with year one when I lived in New York City and there was a lot I was afraid of. And Dark Knight Returns spoke to that too with like my fear of nuclear annihilation and all that stuff. Like Batman was it was right there. Um so yeah, I was really excited about Zero Year. And Greg was just like, Then fuck it, you know, just do it. Let's do it and, and I won't like he kept calling and checking in and really great. And I guess what I'm saying is <laughs> uh with this one, this one is much, I'm very ready for, you know, the criticism and stuff with it, but I really feel like Greg and I kind of learned our lesson, which is the thing I sort of began this whole long answer with, which is that deep down, fans will be angry, and there's going to be fans that'll, they'll tell you if anything isn't good, believe me, or they tell you, they tell you when they think that they've been, especially when they think they've been, like, swindled. That's the thing with, like, that was the thing with with Death of the Family that hurt me. It wasn't that they were criticizing the story as a story. It was that they felt we had cheated them somehow by not doing that, and that really stung, you know? Um, but the the fact that with, with Zero Year, what I realized is they were criticizing it before they read it, the same thing. And that you, you grow a thick skin to. You know, you just don't worry. When they hate the story, if they tell you they hate the story, that would, that would really... That, yeah, that would... It would hurt, you know, in a lot of ways, because you, know, you do it because you love it, and you still would love it, I think, you know. And I've, I mean, I've certainly been things I've written in my life that no one's liked but me, you know. <laughs> but I'm just saying that uh, at this point, I think the thing that you realize is that there's no one's out to get you, you know. I don't know. Maybe some people are. There certainly, I take that back. There are definitely people <laughs> out to get you. Beware. <laughs> But what I mean is the comics community is not out to get you, man. You know, they want you to try things that you like and that you think are going to be good as long as they get that sense that, yeah, that you love the character the way they do. And then they'll tolerate it even if, if you do a good job with it, even if they hate, you know, hate the idea of of it somehow. I don't know. I've just been really wonderfully surprised by by the readership, not just on Batman, but on across the board. I really have. I... I know I'm like getting way, it's just late and I, <laughs> I had like a long, I was saying to, to you before we started recording, but it's, we just moved into the new house and uh, it's been like a lot of, a lot of late nights with the kids. Like the reason I, I was late calling into this podcast because my son, my eight year old son fell out of bed, um, but he fell onto another bed. <laughs> we have this trundle bed that we got just because he's always falling out of bed. And yeah, we, we had a, we had a railing on his bed, but he's too old for that now. And so we just put another bed, just like a little bed. But he woke up and, you know, takes forever to get him down again and stuff. So it might just be that I am completely, completely delirious with lack of sleep and all that stuff. But I am, I hope this is not like the worst podcast of all time. <laughs> no, I, 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 and I'm like, I'm, I feel like I'm answering nothing and just waxing <laughs> completely unpoetic on 
uh, everything that no, you didn't that is all fascinating. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, I, I feel like fans who are listening to this are getting an incredible understanding of what goes into writing Batman, and that's that's great. Um, well, writing Batman is terrifying, I will tell you that. Like, it never stops being terrifying, ever. I mean, it's the best job in the whole world. I love it more than anything. Like, I go to work so happy. I love saying I write Batman. I love all of it. Like, meaning I'm so proud to work on this character. This is my favorite character in literature. You know what I mean? Like, not just comics, but Batman is my favorite. Like, yeah, he is. Like, Batman, Dark Knight Returns and those things, those, they made me want to write. So that's the worst feeling sometimes, too, is like, oh, my God, I'm working on my favorite character now. And I'm not even that good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like maybe I'll get better in years. Like, I'm still, I still, I get nervous. But it's like, God, man, you know, I only just started. I, I got that, I got the break to work on Batman when I was nobody. It was Detective Comics. You know, I mean, I was, I had three issues out of American Vampire or something like that. Then I always look back and I'm like, geez, I wish I, I wish I had like trained for years on other characters before I got to write Batman. You know, it's like getting, it, that's what it feels like. It's like, it feels like you're getting drafted. I'm terrible at sports, by the way. I, I fully admit, like, I just never, I never, um, I never really got into, uh, I like playing sports, but I never got into following my sports. And I always make the mistake of trying to use sports metaphors. So I was about to do that. <laughs> I was about to be like, but you're getting drafted for the, for the, <laughs> for the world series. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like completely doesn't make any sense, but I hope, you know, the point I'm trying to say, it's like, no, you're like a, a tiny little indie band or something like that, and then you get picked suddenly to, you know, you get some massive contract, uh, or you get to play some humongous venue that you feel completely unprepared to play, you know, and then what you realize at some point is like, you're never going to feel prepared, ever. <laughs> it's just never going to happen, you know, even if you came back in five years, it just wouldn't, it's never going to be, because the characters are intimidating, you know, if you love them, they're very intimidating. You know, because I look at my shelves, I see all this Batman stuff that mattered to me growing up. And I look at a kid, like, it hits you all the time, you know. It, it hits me all the time, like, when <laughs> I'm at my kid's birthday party and their kid's wearing Batman t-shirts. The responsibility of writing Batman is hokey as it sounds, because those kids aren't reading Batman. But still, you understand how he belongs to all these people and how he means something to all of them. You know, and different things, but he means something to them. You know, and that... that that can be crushingly intimidating a lot, <laughs> you know, all the time. So you have to find ways of just blocking it out, you know, and just getting around it. For me, it's like having a great partner like Greg who listens to my whining about it a lot. And also, I mean, also developing a confidence with it where you feel like you did, you, you, you convince yourself and Grant Morrison was really helpful for this and with me. He gave me, great advice about this at San Diego the first year I was on Batman and then every year subsequently I've seen them he's given me great advice um, until last year which was really fun where we finally he started just joking around with me and it was almost like the first time we we got we hung out as friends a little bit and didn't talk shop too much I just you know what I mean it was it was such a joy that guy's been such a and it was, I think the year had just started, I don't remember, but it was like right around the time. It was at this time where I wasn't well. And I saw Grant, and I shouldn't have gone to San Diego in the first place, but I saw Grant, and uh, he seemed to see right away that I wasn't good. I mean, you know, he was sort of like, 
hey, how are you doing, man? And I was like, I'm good. I'm not going to do his accent because I think I told you, but it sounds like I'm doing like a Jamaican accent. Right? <laughs> he's like, um, he was like, how are you doing? And I was like, you know, I'm good. And he was like, how's the rocket ship ride been, you know, with everything since last year? I was like, that's good. And he was like, how's it really been? <laughs> you know, how are you, you really doing? And I was like, we were standing in the lobby, of this, you know, the, just passing through the hotel in San Diego, like, you know, just one of the main ones that we were all in. And I just saw him. And um, I just sort of, like, you know, gave up. I was like, I'm not doing well, dude. It's, it's not, it's, you know, I'm, I'm really just not, you know, not good right now. And I'm worried about all this stuff, and I don't know, you know, I'm like, you know, and he was so, he was just like, I'll tell you what, here's my number, call me anytime. And it was the nicest thing, because I didn't know him well. You know, I've only seen him at San Diego, pretty much, and a couple other, you know, DC things, but... It was such a nice gesture, and the year after that, when I saw him, and then last year and stuff, or whatever, you know, since since then I've seen him a couple times at different places, and he's been so he's just such it meant the world to me that he did that. Um, you know, he's a really I'll never forget that he did that. But you know, uh, he gave me great advice at another time, and that time too, he really did reiterate it when we were talking about zero year. But um, he was just like you got to write these characters like you made them up, basically, is what he was saying. He asked me if I had, like, a birth and a death for Bruce. And it was funny, because it was like, I had a death, and it was in Detective 27, that little thing I did with Sean Murphy. That's the way our Bruce ends, in my opinion. Um, that he would figure out a way to kind of clone himself, as crazy as that sounds, but so that he would wake up every time the old Bruce began to really get to an age where he'd falter and a new Bruce would be there with the memories up to the point that he would wake up and say, I, will, I shall become a bat. You know, yes, Father, I shall become, I'll come, I'll become a bat. And he wakes up in the cave and the old Bruce is there to greet him. And the old Bruce is like throwing out all of his stuff <laughs> from the cave in this big furnace that made, made the stuff for Batman and Zero Year and then burns it all away. That furnace like plays a part actually in, in Super Heavy the story we're doing now but the um the yeah there's a lot of stuff from that actually in this one no one's getting cloned but, don't worry there's no cloning that's, that's really cool that you I would never do like oh, oh i was Go just going to say that's really cool that you that you brought up the that detective comics the 27 story um because i feel like that's the story that kind of got um overlooked a little bit it came out you know right in the middle i guess was that right around the same time as zero year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which, um, you know, the idea of like Batman being eternal and, um, you know, being, being more of an idea, which is something you've talked about a little bit earlier. Um, I think it's something that's been really prevalent in, you know, in both your work with, with Batman eternal and, you know, previously with um, Morrison and the idea that Batman never dies. Um, well, that's the thing that I feel like Grant and I have a lot in common with. And then we're, we're actually also completely different about in some ways the way we write. And Grant, I, I, mean, the, I mean, like, Grant is as influential to me as anybody in the way that I, there's not, I mean, we're very different in our interests with Batman and I think the things that, that we gravitate towards in terms of the um, themes in our work um, and our method obviously is very, very different. Um, but the thing that I always look to Grant 
for is that he's so uncompromising <laughs> and so daring and he's so full of ideas and all of those things that make him so singular are like, it makes me want to write better all the time and be, be fearless the way he is. And he's, he's, he's been an inspiration to me that way in person, talking to me, telling me those things too. Um, you know, and he, uh, this, the way that they were different, that's interesting too, but he asked me if I had a birth and a death and I said, you know, I kind of had this death <laughs> and I had the birth cause I was doing a year you know, but he was sort of like, yeah, you know, well, you know, yeah, you know, you, well, he, he, he was talking about how you get to a point and you realize that all of the Batman stand together in a pantheon of Batman almost, you know, and it's like, they can all coexist and you start to realize you're not sort of, you're not messing with continuity. You are messing with continuity and someone can, will have to correct it or not correct it or do whatever the hell they're going to do to it. Use it and build on it or not. But you're, you're, you're making your own mythology if you're lucky enough to be able to write it for a little while. And that's the thing where you, you realize the trick that's like the, the core trick to writing a character like Batman is to convince yourself that you made him up. And that you, he's your creator own character for right now. And you know him better than anybody. Because the truth of the matter is, like, with characters like that, they couldn't be less creator own. Like, they're owned by everybody that loves them. And, of course, they're owned by DC or Marvel or whatever. But, I mean, that doesn't, that's, that's a whole different set of creative battles, like fighting them for things you want. I'm just talking about the intimidation factor and the, the factor of, you know, writing something that you care about like a character that means something to you that so many people love for, for reasons that have nothing to do with you. Um, that element, you have to write it for yourself and believe this story is about something that's personal to me, but the reason it works with this character is because this character is a character that I've worked through. I'm working through some of this stuff with because he's always been there for me in some way when it comes to these things. And it fits him too. And the thing that's fascinating to me about Batman that I think runs through pretty much everything I've done is his mortality. It, it meaning like when you start writing and you realize like the difference, what I would say between Grant and me, I think is that Grant, you know, like you said, Batman is forever. He is this, he, he's mortal to Grant, but he's also not mortal in some ways. You know what I'm saying? Like he's, he is, but he's, he's so indomitable. And he's not afraid of his own mortality ever. And there's nothing, there's nothing he can't do, you know? And my version of him, I think, is extremely um, mortal. You know, like, I really believe in, he's, he's constantly making mistakes and flawed and all those things and gets hurt. And he does these incredible things. But what I'm interested in is the intersection, I think, of, somebody who's just one person like he's just a man who will get older and will die and will have a bone that's broken and might not heal right and has relationships and those people die and yet is this thing thing that's forever how do you do that because honestly like a lot of the ways when you think about it it has connections to what you try and do as a writer is what you try and do in life you know i mean you're only here for a short while. Like, what does what you do mean anything? How do you affect people? How do you change things? What are you, what are you doing with your life? You know, and the, 
that means anything. And that's why the Joker to me is the greatest villain in my, for me to write. I love the writing the Joker because in death to the family in here too, much more in like vocally in any game because in death of the family, he's trying to say to Bruce, come with me and escape your whole kind of mortal, this whole kind of mortal phase you're going through thinking that you have all of these human friends and you're falling into the trap. You're afraid of your legacy. If you've taken these children on, don't do that. Come be forever with me, you know, just forget that you ever were, don't have those concerns. Like, and that speaks in a lot of ways, like, you know, when you have kids, like, you worry about those things, too. Like, you know, you feel mortal all of a sudden because the world gets really scary. You worry about them all the time. And, you know, then I think, on the other hand, being Batman, like, for him, it's it's always a fight against the Joker because the Joker says none of it means anything. That's our version of the Joker. You know, he says, from Go, he's like, I am the point that the point is I, I am trying to prove the point to you that there's nothing but the void. I am the great joke. I just laugh when you think your life means anything because I could come along and shoot you in the head on a Tuesday or a Wednesday and none of it would matter. You know what I mean? And who cares? Because it doesn't matter. And if you understand that, then you, you get it. Um, and Batman is a character who is formed in meaninglessness. I mean, his, his parents were killed for no reason other than a bunch of pearls, you know, with no giant conspiracy, just nothing, just random, you know? And in that way, he creates this engine of meaning out of that to me. He's there saying, I was made out of this random act of violence. And I am saying to everybody, you know, it can use, use your fear of, of the randomness of things, of the, the 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 threat of meaninglessness to make meaning in your life and to affect things. And so, you know, um, that's the thing that runs through, I think, most of the stuff that we've done. And the thing I love about Grant, he's almost, he's very, he's very different than that in Grant's stuff. You know, it's much more about how can one man be everything, you know? How can he be all the versions of himself and this incredible, how he can he be like the, the Superman in that way, you know? And I love that about it, but it's it's different too, you know. And you see, you love other versions of him equally, you know. It's funny, like you start you start to see them next to each other as you write Batman longer. You write a character longer, and you see, you see them as like strange relatives, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like of each, of each other, you're all part mm-hmm. of the same weird family. Where I'm like, oh, there's Frank Miller, and that, and that just goes in. You know, you kind of you don't necessarily want to go over and have our nerves with that Batman at the Batman reunion party or whatever. <laughs> like, oh, there's you know, there's Denny's Batman, there's this Batman, and you see you see their interests work through, you know, the the characters, the themes that they work through, and their other stuff too. So, anyway, I don't know. That's my. That's yeah, my no, idea. that's that's really interesting. Um, you know it tied back into what you said about building this mythology and you have this, this pantheon of, you know, all these different Batman that make up, you know, the, I guess the, the bigger idea of Batman. Um, I guess, um, I guess maybe before we think about uh, starting to wrap up, I wanted to um, come back around to um, an idea that you were talking about um, just about how hungry fans are for taking risks. 
Um, and you brought up things like the new Thor and things like that. And um, I think that's especially, I, you know, in the case of Batman, that like rings true to me. I think that in these moments where you take risks, like with Gordon or with Dick, who um, to me, I feel like is kind of my Batman. And I think that when you take these chances and you get someone new into the suit, you give fans a chance to kind of latch on to an idea and make it their own. Whereas something like Bruce is um, almost like an institution. It belongs to everyone, obviously. Um, but these individual takes, you can kind of make it your own. And I so, and I think that. it's also really like, interesting that yeah. this is coming, coming around the same time as Gotham where uh, Gordon is already kind of in the public consciousness, yeah. but this is obviously something very different. And so I kind of wonder yeah. um, what are maybe some of your goals for um, maybe making a mark on Gordon and kind of cementing him in the consciousness of fans? Well, it's hard because I don't really think of it that way too much. You know, I kind okay. of just, I mean, I, well, I can think about it now. I mean, like, but I, yeah, I, I sort of go into it just thinking, what he means to me and sort of what the story is about and why he's right for it and that kind of stuff, you know, as opposed to sort of how he's going to, how he's going to sort of be perceived in the larger, I guess the sort of larger, uh, you know, uh, tapestry of like the world comics world or fandom or any of that stuff. But I guess what I would say is the things I can tell you, the things I love about him as a character and that I hope are sort of, um, I guess I hope are sort of uh, transmitted to, you know, people reading it, but also to this perception of him somehow, you know, and in general, I guess, if that's possible. But he's us in so many ways, you know. He's, he's a character who you can, I can relate to, I think, in Gotham very quickly because he stands beside Batman. He believes in Batman. He has some issues with Batman. But he's his ally, and he's a fan of Batman, and yet he's always intensely human. I mean, he he has a family, he has a job, he has a boss, he has all the things that we all have. But he's a hero in Gotham, you know? He puts his life on the line all the time, you know, for the people of the city. And he doesn't get the recognition that Batman does or any of that stuff. To me, he's kind of, you know, he's the human... The you know the much less I think um, the much less uh, capable in some ways version of Bruce. Bruce has given everything to become this one thing, and he's given up everything else. I mean, he has no connection to anyone socially except people <laughs> that that are part of his mission, and he builds real relationships with them to some degree. But I mean, Bruce is is, is nothing you know, to me, but the mission. And what that means, Bruce Wayne isn't a mask. Bruce Wayne, to me, is another facet of the mission, you know, and that's it. Meaning he's a person, and you get glimpses of that person in some ways. But, I mean, he doesn't, he's he's only about this thing. You know, he's like a, he's really possessed by that demon that's just, this is what I do, and that's it. You know, and so I don't see Bruce as like a disguise. I see him as another tool in Batman's box to use towards the mission of Batman in general, meaning he uses Bruce 
he believes in the same things. And our version of Bruce, I mean, is civic-minded and just trying to help build things. I've never tried to portray him as like the disguise, like the bumbling, bumbling playboy. <laughs> I love versions like that. I just don't. I just not. I don't know. I just don't like writing that. I, I just think that somehow for me, from our version of him, it just seems like such a slap in the face to his parents and their legacy. Um, even if he secretly is doing this amazing thing as Batman, not doing an amazing thing as the Wayne seems somehow to not work for the mission. It, it just seems like a strange way to be trying to help Gotham in all ways. You know what I mean? That way, if you're about being this force that's going to stop what happened to you as a kid from happening ever again, then you would work on all fronts to do that. You know, Batman is this and Bruce is this, but it's all the same push. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, no, for me, you're right. Gordon, it does seem kind of counterintuitive. That Well, I'm just saying, well, Gordon, Gordon's somebody who struggles with all the things we struggle with. And so for me, he's a very vulnerable human hero. And that really is almost like if somebody tapped you and said, you got to be Batman, Ryan. You know what I mean? And you were like, there's no way. Nope. That makes no sense. Yeah, but then you think about it and you realize that you you are the right person right now. You know, that's that's kind of the thing. I, he's so much fun to write also, I have to say. I mean, he brings a whole different humor to the book that's really fun to write. And this self-deprecation. I mean, one of the things that was so funny was like when I started on Batman, it was Dick Grayson and the cowl. And I loved writing that because that Grayson was like completely fucking bewildered by being Batman and intimidated and excited and all those things at once. And so was I writing Batman. So I was like, we're going to go on great, you know, me and Dick Grayson for the black mirror. And Gordon for me is kind of also very close to where I am. It's not like I've aged, I've aged like 20 years in the five years I've been on Batman, but it's more just that, it's more just that you, you, you. I do feel like we've been in Gotham a while, and I do feel like we've fought the villains a lot. You know, I don't mean in. The, I mean like we've struggled with with stories, and we're very, very proud of those. And we've struggled with um, the nostalgia and the characters, and you know, we feel like we've 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 been there, and that I think Gordon in some way stepping up to be Batman, I write him really easily because it's also sort of like, like I said earlier, can we do this one more time? Like, can we get in there and do this again? You know, do we still have it? Are we going to, are we going to, can we, can we be, basically the question with Gordon is, can you, not only can, can you write a good Batman story with Gordon, but can you write one that's, you know, different and, you know, probably, brighter or more colorful, but you even hope maybe it's better than what you did. You know, can you, can you get in there and do something that really, that really surprises people and yourself? So that's, I don't know. He just, I hope that answers that. I love writing it. And I'll say that. Well, that's, I, I mean, yeah, that's really, I'm really excited to see um, what you do with him and where this goes. Um, because it's always just interesting to see, um, new directions and then also just, you know, takes on characters that maybe don't get to have the limelight as much. 
Yeah. Well, and you see a lot of the peripheral characters. A lot of characters really step up in this arc, like Duke Thomas, who's in We Are Robin, um, and was in Zero Year and Endgame in small roles. Um, he plays a very big part in this one. And I think when you see 41, you see Julia plays a big role in it. Mm-hmm. Alfred's in it. You know, Harvey's in it. There's a lot. There's a lot of um, a lot of familiar faces in it. So a couple of new characters, but I think you know part of it is I think I hope it feels like a pretty grounded Batman story with just a different center somehow. You know, like a it is a big. It's one big noirish, you know, epic kind of crazy over the top mystery like we we like to do on the book. But it's just a. It's like a, just a different core somehow yeah well we don't want to keep you up all night so we're gonna we each have one sort of rapid fire question here to to close out so uh vince why don't you go ahead sure so um this is a pretty simple one uh what villain that you haven't featured in any of your stories yet would you like to feature someday in a batman story well two i really like to work on are or Two-Face and uh, Penguin are two. I'd love to write Catwoman, but um, Catwoman, yeah, Catwoman I'd really like to do too. Those are the, I guess those are the three. They're really, they're, I mean, I would write, I would write stories with all of them, but Two-Face is probably the one at the top of my list, I would think, just because he's been taken the whole time that I've been on Batman yeah. for big stories. Yeah. He was in Batman and Robin, and, and I have an idea for a story with him that I think would make him pretty, pretty dark, but still him. I have I have a really fun Two Face story too. So sometimes Scott will have a drink and I'll tell you about my my Two Face story. I'll never write. So I'd love well I'd love that dude. That'd be that'd be a lot of fun. Hey, I, I, I haven't said it. I'll shut up. I know it's not so rapid, but Penguin. I would say I don't. I'd love to explore the idea that Penguin is this weird extension of Bruce's class neuroses. Like because I don't I don't think Bruce's risk and wealth matters very much, honestly. To me it doesn't. Like if he meaning I think he'd be Batman if he was poor too. It doesn't yeah, I don't think the gadget that's just fun to write. It's just a James Bond factor mm-hmm. of him. But honestly he'd be Batman. I tried to show that stuff like in Zero and those things, like without the Batmobile or any of that stuff. It's just he's the mission, it doesn't matter. But the thing with Penguin, I feel like Penguin Penguin is this weird reflection of him where he's like, You're just a rich boy. You know, I made it myself. I was supposed to be one of those guys, but I wasn't. You know, I was my name, but I got thrown out and all that stuff that I never was. And I've worked, my, I'm a self-made person, and you're just this blue blood. And there's something creepy about him that way. But I feel like there's something really, there's a real, I don't know, there's a, there's, there's, it sounds like kind of cerebral, but I'm telling you, I think there's a real gut scary thing in there for Bruce. I mean, all right, Zach, what's your question? Um, so, like, with, um, in Black Mirror, you gave Dick his, you know, kind of, well, Black Mirror, you know, his opposite. Um, and obviously, Bruce has the Joker. Do you have a, a villain in mind to, that would be the, um, the opposite of Jim? Or is that kind of not something that's on your radar right now? No, it is. I mean, that is the villain that we're trying to create here. That the one that's uh, coming. So, yeah, that because okay. the thing is, it it seems like it's capers at first, but you start to realize in issue two and forty two that it's all connected. Okay. Connected to a bigger a bigger villain who's new, and he's a character who really is this shadowy. He's very fun because he's 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 
um, he's strong in all kinds of ways. I think that are different. You know, you don't necessarily he you don't really know how to take him because he can do many things. And it's sort of like, well, wait, what are his abilities? I thought I understood, and then you're like, no, he's different. He's always he's always in the shadows. I like him quite a bit. <laughs> And uh, I'll, I'll finish us off. What's the one thing you will never write Batman doing? Is it water skiing? Is it juggling? Like, what's the one thing <laughs> we'll never see Batman doing in a Scott Snyder comic? I keep thinking I'm there. I keep, I'm like, he'll <laughs> never fight a lion. And I was like, I will never put a shark. And there's a shark, there's a shark with, not a shark, a, uh, like a totally um, modified shark in issue 43 that, that is, Dude actually fights, not fights against, but uses to fight. It's totally crazy. I don't even. <laughs> so I keep thinking I'm there, and I'm like, I will never do that. And then like, oh, it's like vampires in space, you know. So <laughs> it's hard at this point to. I think nothing is safe. No terrible idea is safe from us at this point. So the only thing I would say I've never written in doing, and I will say it's just terrible. But I've never really written Bruce happy. Like having, <laughs> having, having, uh, I've never done a sex scene with Bruce. I've never done like a romantic dinner that wasn't an imaginary one or anything. Like there's never been, he's never been happy. And I feel bad. I really want to give him a happy day. Maybe in this story you'll see him and he'll be happy. You know, somewhere or the next. Well, Scott, I can't thank you enough. You, you you came on last minute. You talked to us for a long time. Thank you so, so much. I really, from the bottom of our hearts, we, we really mean that. No, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks again to the simply extraordinary Scott Snyder for that amazing interview, for sitting down and chatting with us. You can find anything you could ever want to know about DC Comics at multiversitycomics.com. We try and cover all the big stuff, all the fun stuff that goes on every single day in comics. We are also all on Twitter. I am at Brian Needs a Nap. Zach is at SirFox89. Vince is at VJ underscore O-S-T-R-O-W-S-K-I. And of course, our esteemed guest, Mr. Scott Snyder, is on the pod, is on Twitter at SSnyder1835. Can't wait to hear what you guys think about it. Please leave us comments on the website, on Twitter. If you live near enough to us to send smoke signals or semaphore, do that too. Until next month. I'm Brian. Good night.